ಸಹನೌನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಸ್ತುಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ so we are in the process of replacing what is called dvaita buddhi what is dvaita buddhi uh, the cognition of duality it's not duality there is no duality you have to always uh, you know uh, what's that see the vision of the shruti the vision of the upanishads so what is there there is all that there is is one and you are that one that's all the messages and what is coming in the way is not dvaita duality is not coming in the way because we have just said it doesn't exist okay so something that is non existent cannot come in the way how can it come in the way you cannot say that you know i was on my way to uh, to the airport and then i was involved you know i was involved in an accident oh how what kind of an accident a non existent car came and hit me you know how can something non existent act upon you not possible so therefore a non existent duality can is cannot be the cause of fear or sorrow fear or sorrow is called samsara some sorrow same thing you know yeah some sorrow or another samsara so the non existent duality cannot be the cause of samsara and therefore where is the duality that is the question you know it is a funny kind of a thing because this duality is experienced but it is eminently dismissible through cognition through our understanding so it is you cannot say that it is entirely or totally non existent why because i am experiencing it i am experiencing the fear even though the vision says that duality is not even there you know but i am experiencing it in my life and so how there is a big gap between the vision of the shastra which says all is one but i am experiencing two everywhere <laughs> yeah and so there is a, a there is a gap and so the status of this duality has to be understood as something that is cannot be affirmed because you cannot affirm samsara you cannot say that all this separation is existent and this 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 all these things that we see are all real because that you know that argument 
collapses in on itself very quickly because if it is real what is the condition if something is real it should not be you know it should not be negatable correct that which is real you cannot negate and so can you you know can you but anything that we see is negatable you know fruit georgia peach especially it's a very good example you know when it comes in season ah looks very nice rosy rosy nice smell is coming fragrant you smell the blossoms and then you know it's not yet uh, ready you keep it on the table on the counter and then again next day it's on the counter next day it's on the counter next day it's sitting on the counter after that also it's sitting on the counter and then you are frightened of the end counter with the peach correct ah yeah not just wrinkles it becomes a puddle yeah that's what it is you know fermented peach peach juice you can't call it peach anymore it's not peachy at all <laughs> yeah so that fruit is immediately transformed into compost in a matter of few days correct so it's no longer fruit because now it has become one with the earth so it is called compost or you know it is called rotten fruit or what do we want to call it so it is no longer what you think it is so same thing with everything so karma phala also like that liyate it <laughs> karma phala also uh, gets uh, is, is finite no matter how much punya one has it is what finite just like the peach it is subject to disintegration everything that we see in the world is finite it is subject to disintegration you know so therefore this duality and the and the uh, what's its name and the experience of this duality we cannot say it is real because it is negated all the time it's also negated in a different way because i don't want this duality i want the oneness i want to transcend it i want to be one with everything starting with the pet dog one wants oneness you know you want to be one with everything and this is this this duality goes counter to what i really yearn for and this duality cannot be affirmed but unfortunately it is very difficult to dismiss you know can neither be affirmed nor be dismissed because you know you cannot also be unrealistic and say what duality i am limitless <laughs> and then go jump off a cliff because what cliff there is no cliff the cliff is just a product of my imagination and then you can't just walk off the cliff because you know cliff is because one is uh, living on a certain level an order of reality where this duality can you know can uh, bother one and so something that is experienced and bothers me is now negated in the shri rudram in these anuvakas anuvaka means chapters because uh, uh, it is dismissed it is dismissed as non existent from the standpoint of the vision 
of oneness there is no room for duality you cannot say yeah yeah oneness is also there duality is also there how is that possible only one has to be real you cannot say both of them are existing happily it's like saying that i and my shadow went together for a nice walk yeah not possible in fact the shadow is dependent upon me and the projection of this so called uh, duality as we are seeing in the evening uh, you know lectures is dependent upon bhagavan upon i it's a projection so at best it has a temporal time bound existence it is not you know it is uh, it is an uh, it is an appearance it's a projection it's an appearance upon it's a projection upon this i and just like one clay so many pots it's all clay really so in the same way this the, the, the world is an appearance and all the things in the world are like so many pots lids jars etc but when you look into that source it is all clay and so likewise here also it's the same thing and that duality for for me as a student of the the teaching i have to learn to dismiss that duality and the shri rudram is is like a you know um practice for that just like you know when the it's like going to school and chanting a b c d a for apple you know a for atma b for brahman c for chit d for dharma etc so like this you you know you you practice chanting you yeah, and the child is told to keep repeating and after a while you know it doesn't need to say a for apple in order to recognize the things that start with a it will start recognizing but in the beginning that a has to be associated with apple otherwise it doesn't understand what is this a and how, what are how do the things that start with the letter a look like it's not understood so like this here we are looking at every single thing in the universe big small not so big not so small um likable unlikable uh, think about things and entities about which i have a strong judgment things and entities which i have a you know positive judgment all these things are put in the glare of the microscope called the shri rudram and and we are told that uh, we are told to see this as a as a seamless projection of that one which here is called ishvara it's it's a manifestation see everything as a manifestation of god see bhagavan everywhere at all times in all situations even though what i hate to do that <laughs> ah, i hate to do that but this is how one becomes bigger because see the problems appear big because i feel small correct my smallness makes the problem amplified like there is a big uh, uh, megaphone or a, some kind of a uh, sound system surround sound <laughs> ah my problems appear insurmountable because of my own smallness so the best way to you know to deal with the problems is to become bigger then you transcend them easily 
and that's the whole idea how to be big first include and see everything as bhagwan ishvara and then you know see yourself as ishvara at the ultimate and and have compassion because it's all ishvara cultivate kindness and then what and then see everything as you ultimately that bhagwan is you and so everything is an extension of you all the things you don't like are you this is what the whole thing is and it's a uh, you know it's a it's a practice and it's a practice that uh, that one has to you know cultivate after listening to all these things this is how one keeps on doing this the listening itself is is transformative and enough and uh, you know but we have something called viparita buddhi what is viparita buddhi a, a buddhi that loves to stew in duality that is viparita buddhi dvaita buddhi because it wants to it likes the drama of samsara the buddhi it likes to remain in samsara because that's where it is you know it has some you know ahankara buddhi here means ahankara likes to remain in samsara oh but the duality is so miserable why does it like to remain in samsara well it likes to remain in samsara because that's where you can you know you can spend the day otherwise what are you going to do if you are you know if you understand you are brahman you know nothing remains to be done and that prospect is frightening for most people what do you mean nothing remains to be done no job no job you know because everything is done why, why why is one in a job one is in a job because there is a sense of insecurity about the future no 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 that's not why i am working <laughs> <laughs> i am working not because i you know because who is going to you are you going to pay my bills no i am not going to pay your bills who will pay my bills bhagwan will pay your bills yeah yeah right you know <laughs> i am out on the road in a cardboard box and then you know like recycling and then you will you know you will guide and i will remember these famous words that oh bhagwan is paying the bills you know that is the that is the fear and so because of the fear one is engaged in action and also one is engaged in action because one is afraid to look at the truth and the glory of oneself and bhagwan says okay keep being engaged in action no problem but that is bhagavad gita which we are not studying currently and <laughs> what we are studying is uh, you know vedanta 501 and that uh, that means that one has to at least be ready to consider and give a chance uh, to look at what the message is so once brahman is understood no job okay yeah no job and then what no cooking yeah <laughs> and this is very difficult for uh, the indian community which <laughs> which subsists on food yeah you know how many years it has taken for us when uh, you know otherwise whenever we had afternoon classes everybody would be 45 minutes late in the beginning pehle pehle 
and yeah some of the people who who have been there know they are all nodding their heads and remembering those days very nostalgically and <laughs> hey, why is everyone late because they are bringing food because after the class we are going to have food i said we, we need not have food don't they have food in their house let them go home and eat then everybody started to come on time you know in the beginning they were horrified they said what do you mean no food <laughs> you know so the, for the indian community the food is uh, you know indian food is comfort food which also happens to be healthy and uh, you know food means so many things food is bhagavan annam brahmeti vyajanat yeah annam brahma and that's true food is bhagavan but uh, we have to also understand bhagavan is not just food yes the <laughs> so food is bhagavan alone and this bhagavan is you know is very important ishta devata for all <laughs> the indian community ah. what is your ishta devata don't say ganesha don't say mahalakshmi don't say saraswati don't say all these things what is your ishta devata annam food in all its forms correct so no cooking niragnihi nishkriyah no cooking no office and so what are you as a gnani going to do all day long kya karoge that is what is frightening <laughs> that is frightening because you know because the first it requires a lot of trust to know that to 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 just see that if this body is meant to survive it it will have food yeah i mean without knowing it the birds eat every day they build their nests you know they raise their young <laughs> repeatedly without knowing anything and uh, so this is the uh, you know this is the uh, predicament here that is being jostled this is a very important portion of the uh, shri rudram and in the beginning the the first anuvaka everybody liked because it was just uh, doing yachana prayer to bhagavan please save me help me from all these things and now quote unquote these things are all you <laughs> ah that's difficult because it requires a level of growth a level of trust and a level of you know uh, emotional maturity to be able to to do this and so the, the one who knows brahman is kritakritya whatever needs to be done has already been done nothing to achieve nothing to gain nothing to lose and spend you can spend the day doing whatever you like Uh, without being touched by that and actions are as though actions because the person has given up action in order to in order to survive that is the that is the you know that is the culmination of this knowledge and if one is not ready for it one readies oneself for this and why is one not ready for it because there are blocks in the way in the form of 
Raga and Dvesha. This is the blocks. Only these are the only two blocks. And the Raga Dvesha, Raga Dvesha Yuta, you know, the Antakarana, the inner instrument, the mind that is endowed liberally with Raga and Dvesha has to be purified. And the Rudram chanting itself purifies this. This is that is why it's very important because if I'm telling even without knowing the you know intricacies of everything of Vedanta, if I'm te- repeating every day, this is Bhagavan, that is Bhagavan, this is Bhagavan. How can it not rub off on me? It will rub off. It has to. You know, there is a saying in uh, uh, Sanskrit that uh, whatever you contemplate on, you become that very thing. You become the very thing upon which you contemplate. And it's true. If you keep saying, uh yeah, you know. So if you keep saying, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, after a while, you start feeling afraid. You really start believing it. And if you say, I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad, same thing. Nobody loves me, nobody loves me, nobody loves me. This is this was Karuna's refrain we saw yesterday. Oh, I'm abandoned, nobody cares, nobody loves me, nobody is there for me. Then the same situations will arise which you are interpreting through your own lenses. And then it becomes, what is that? A, a, a tautology, like a self-fulfilling something, prophecy. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. Because it's a setup and the, the vision is already occluded by this one big core issue. And the core issue starts to bore into you and bore everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's what happens. And therefore, the... Sri Rudram is a powerful purifier because you know you 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 repeat something contrary to where the buddhi is the buddhi is doing in the drama of dvitvam dvaitam of duality the buddhi means the cognition the ahankara that's where one lives because you know one is not ready to see that Everything is oneself, alone. And so what is the buddhi doing? It is wandering, what shall I do now? What shall I do now? I have, and the day's agenda starts as soon as the eyes open. Which day it is? Oh, okay. Today is the Sunday. No work. Okay, I can sleep for 15 more minutes. All right. <laughs> then what? <laughs> huh? Then what? So some alarms are permanently on snooze. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and then what? Then you sleep for some more time. Then still there is no work to do. So therefore, there is a desire to you know, what should I say? Attend to unfinished business, starting with the in-laws. Yeah, <laughs> I have to treat them. I have to show somebody. I have to settle accounts with so and so, I have to show them this, I have to show them who is boss, you know, starting with a significant other, yeah. 
Yeah, today I'm going to say exactly what's on my mind and today I'm going to do this. Yeah, this is the whole situation. It's very uh, interesting because then, you know, I have all these, all this agenda. But then I wake up in the morning and I have made a new routine because sometimes these routines have to be, uh, you know, jiggled. And what is my new routine? Chant Rudram. <laughs> ha. And then the significant other becomes insignificant as a source of pain and sorrow. Yeah. And this, the, the whole thing is to give freedom to entities, people, situation and things to be who they are, which is very difficult to give, do, very hard, almost impossible, yeah. You have to grit the teeth and say, I give you the freedom to be who you are. <laughs> you have to do that, you know, but oh, what do you mean you have to do that, why should I do that? You should do that because upon that depends your happiness. If I tell you that, then you say, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> upon that depends your happiness because if you are constantly worried about someone else and how they are or rather how they are not, yeah, that's, that's the worry. You know, they are not this, they are not that, they are not this, not that. And you are constantly worried about how they are not behaving how they are not performing, how they are not acting. That means what? I have raga about how they should act. Correct? What they should think, what they should say. And this becomes a very big deterrent to my own pragati, my own progress. Pragati means here spiritual progress. Because constantly I am fixated on someone else. Other than me, where is the time and the space for me? And my happiness I have given to the whole universe, like make me happy. And the universe says, better luck next time. <laughs> ah, universe is not going to make you happy, that's not its job. You have to see that the how the other people are behaving or not behaving is not contingent upon my you know freedom i want to be free i want to be free of this burden and in the indian com community we have this uh, uh, sickness what will they think ah. and for this reason we do a lot of uh, make a lot of wrong decisions what will people think what will people say yeah, starting with marriage, many people get married because now everybody is saying, you know, well, what will they think? Therefore, and the parents, Indian parents also tell their children, you better get married because what will everyone think? <laughs> and the second generation runs away, <laughs> you know, as fast as their legs will carry them. Yeah, they will choose schools far away somewhere. <laughs> On the other end of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> now this I saw some, uh, you know, one child, one well, not child, teenager, uh, said, I'm going to Greenland. I said, what? <laughs> you know? 
यूनिवर्सिटी ऑफ ग्रीनलैंड सम यूनिवर्सिटी देयर आई सेड वाई एंड देन यू नो फर्स्ट आई मेट द टीन एजर देन आफ्टरवर्ड्स आई मेट द पेरेंट्स देन आई माई सेल्फ न्यू वाई आफ्टर सिटिंग विद दम फॉर फाइव मिनिट्स आई अंडरस्टूड वाई वी हैव दिस थिकनेस वॉट विल पीपल थिंक वॉट विल यू नो डू वॉट विल हैपन and then we complain oh my child is going away from all indian philosophy and indian things and so far away and what is this so why will they not go far away you know <laughs> you know they went to bal vihar but still now they are not interested you know i can't blame them yeah so this is what the whole thing is and uh, you know it has to do with <clears throat> the the problem is in uh, in our own internalized fear what is someone else going to think and that someone else is not worried about your son or daughter not getting married please understand that because that someone else has their own son and daughter <laughs> who is also not getting married <laughs> Ah. so they are hard they are actually consumed about their own children but out of because what is to ask you know so many things you cannot ask you cannot ask how old you are because you know that's not a good thing to talk about and in in you know in immigrant communities you can't say what is your monthly salary nobody should ask that <laughs> in india they ask yeah <laughs> at the first meeting itself they will ask <laughs> especially from smaller towns yeah because it's an accepted question yeah so but here you can't ask what is your salary and you can't ask you know um, how how happy or miserable on the happy misery scale you know what is that gnp or no or something like that you know this bhutan they came up with this new uh, happiness scale Bhutan is the happiness happiest country in the whole world. Yeah, some kind of a happiness index. It's called GNP or something like that, and uh, not GDP, GNP. Some it stands for something, and it has certain parameters. So you can't even ask somebody that. What is your what is your ranking on the happiness scale? Yeah, if you ask that, you will be very unhappy. Your ranking will go down <laughs> because of their response. so you know there is not much to talk about so definitely the you know what is dear to you is children and so you ask about their children they ask about your children and what else is left oh, what are they doing study okay and then you know two three times they'll give you a little lease okay two three years studying 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 oh still studying <laughs> and immediately and they didn't say anything about marriage immediately you thought oh we better get them married because they, somebody said still studying <laughs> question mark so like this you know we have all kinds of complexes we need not have complexes about our children because we've raised them we've given them the values let them go ahead with it you know let them make certain decisions let them give them the courage to make the mistakes tell them like mark twain did please make new mistakes every time don't make the same mistakes <laughs> give them that teaching that is much more valuable instead of trying to prevent all mistake how, how is that possible 
that is actually the biggest mistake and so this is this is a very big insecurity we don't know when to parent apparently and we don't know when to stop parenting ah that's very important when to stop parenting and this way there is a you know this way this this becomes a very big deterrent to my own pragati my my emotional maturity and my spiritual progress are still in the nursing of the ragadvesha you know stage we are not able to let go you are not able to let go because we are dictating as long as we are dictating how somebody else should lead their life whether it's a offspring or whether it's a significant other or a relative or a friend then that means there is a big grand canyonesque gap inside me that is wanting attention and i'm not looking at it and the rudram has a very deep and a transformative psychology and yesterday somebody you, you were asking can i just chant without knowing all the meanings chant yeah but you know the meaning how can you say you don't know the meaning because we are, every time we are talking about it but the chanting itself you know takes away this uh this preoccupation with with the whole universe and how it should live because everything is bhagavan and i keep repeating everything is bhagavan everything is bhagavan and everything that is not bhagavan in my head gets transformed to bhagavan but how can that which is not bhagavan become bhagavan is that possible huh yeah it was not bhagavan only in my head yeah and so rudram is like having you know a a lobotomy a lobotomy means uh, the, the the parts of the brain that are not thinking properly are cut off sometimes this is this is the power of shri rudram especially as we see as the anuvakas unfold you will have that experience yourself and so in this uh, second anuvaka we are talking purposely of all scary things undesirable things and lowly thing what we consider scary lowly and undesirable things and then as soon as we ishwarize them bhagavanize them what happens the fear and the ragadveshas go along with it they are forced out the door and so where did we stop yesterday yeah kuluncha yeah kuluncha naam pataye correct yeah what yeah we did that yeah mama ishumadhyodhan va vidyascha ho namo namah atanvane bhyav pratidadhane bhyascha yeah i am not getting that page here for some reason ah thank you thank you perfect so 
yeah ishu madhya dhanva vidhya these are all what scary things if you are walking by you have to take it metaphorically and literally as well if you walking by and suddenly somebody holds a gun you know in the modern day that's a very frightening thing and in the ancient days they didn't have gun somebody is directing a what is that bow and arrow at you and that is frightening and we've already seen the meaning of the bow and arrow it's one's own karma phala you can say that was what we saw in the first anuvaka but here the bow and arrow is is a symbolism of all miscreants in society aggressors you i mean it's one thing if you do something and then you get back right you hit somebody and they they hit you twice that's a different thing but here you are just walking innocently right you are just going from one place to another to do whatever you want to do and somebody comes and biffs you in the face for no reason <laughs> that is actually that causes a lot of outrage because the feeling is i don't deserve this ah like even a simple thing like you're driving on the road and somebody else who has a lot of road anger what is road rage yeah and that with that anger they cut off in front of you and then uh, you know once first you know your, your reflexes thankfully bhagwan comes into the picture the reflexes are strong you're put able to put the brake or go out of the way not cause the accident thank god but after that you have road rage ha <laughs> ah. why did they do this are they did this finished no 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 but why did they do this to me you know the why me factor kicks in this why me is a very important phrase which keeps one permanently in victimhood hmm permanently in victimhood and so you keep saying why me why they could not have i know they were angry no that's because they were angry why me I know they were angry, but they could have just gone and done something else. You know, they could have gone and hit someone else. Why not they did hit someone else in front of me or behind me? Oh, poor things! Why should they get hit? <laughs> no, no, no. Why, why me? And this why me is a very difficult thing to overcome because it's a, uh, it's a, it comes from it's a feeling of weakness because a, a feeling of victimhood is always a feeling of weakness i feel i deserve better and i didn't get it it's also a misplaced sense of entitlement ah and that entitlement is ahankara that's what it is the ego is bruised even though nothing happened to the car nothing happened to the body <laughs> the ahankara is crushed and a crushed ahankara there is nothing worse than a crushed ahankara that's that's what is it is so sad crushed ahankara and then you know and then the whole day is spoiled because you keep uh, uh, repeating this in the head how did this happen why did they do this i certainly didn't deserve this and then you talk to three four people and the three four people reinforce the same thing you know and you know there is a reason why they re- reinforce because they reinforce that because they also might be in a similar situation later and they want your support that's the only reason they say yes yes you are right yes that was terrible <laughs> and the same thing keeps going in the head and one becomes a victim and here when you see 
that this ishumadhya ishu ishumal and this the, the one with the bow and one with the arrows the one with the gun the one with the road rage the one that cuts you off for no reason and the one that you know uh, is aggressive either verbally physically mentally you know who all these entities are vo namaha you know and to you oh bhagwan they are all you they are not sent by you because that again puts one in victimhood why did you send them to me yeah no they are none but you so if somebody comes and hits for no reason hits your car you just say it was a little kiss of bhagwan <laughs> that's all it, that's all it is then you see very quickly when this this uh, truth is internalized the why me becomes why not me ah, why not me it had to happen it happened why not me and again we have to be very careful here because the shri rudram is not reinforcing a sense of victimization a sense of feeling like a doormat at all times that's not the advice here we are talking of inevitable situations situations where it is not correct to act out because you know if uh, if there is an angry fellow who is you know who is on a rampage you get out of the way correct this is not a correct thing to go and uh, uh, what is that confront such a person you just have to quickly get out of the way and diplomatically get out of the way or an inevitable situation where something cannot be changed you you learn you know this this ishumadhyo dhanva vibhyascha senses you know sentences like this in the rudram helps us learn to be uh, to 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 understand ourselves as in a place of acceptance graceful acceptance this is again going back to prasada buddhi this is a expansion of what we call in karma yoga prasada buddhi taking everything as prasada in karma yoga you only take the results of your action as prasada in the shri rudram you know it is one step beyond and one step even further because you take other people's action also as prasada ah nirvairaha there is a expression in bhagavad gita you know no enemies no enmity such a person cannot have enemies no but what if they abuse let them abuse no but that means they are thinking badly of me let them think badly of of you how to let them think badly of me give them the freedom to think badly of you no but that means i am bad no that means you are internalizing their thoughts which you cannot control can you control their thoughts no can you control your own thoughts no <laughs> how can you control their thoughts you can you, you do you know what's going to be your next thought huh what's going to be your next thought huh do you know no if you don't know your next thought how do you know somebody else's next thought you have no say over how what and how much people are going to think let them think oh but they are thinking badly let them think badly if there is some truth to what they say examine yourself and clean up the act if there is no truth bless them and go on your way namaha 
Namaha. I give you the freedom to think badly of me. This is very nice actually to do. One is in, always in prayer if one does this. And one will not have enemies at all. Because you can't go and sit in somebody's head and, and wonder what are they going to think, what are they going to say, how are they going to look at me, etc, etc, etc. So therefore, you know, the, uh, you know, the one with the bow and the arrow here are, you know, unprovoked aggressors. This is what it is referring to, unprovoked aggressors. Not uninvited aggressors, because here you have not asked them, you have not, uh, you know, uh, you have not provoked them, and still they are there, and still they are uh, giving problems. And so, unto them also, Namaha, Vaha Namaha. So that's why the Bhagavan is uh, addressed directly unto all of you who is nothing but Bhagavan, who is nothing but Rudra. Namaha. So, that is, you know, very beautiful. And then similarly, some other things will come like this. And there are other people who are Atanvanebhyaha, Pratidadhanebhyaha, meaning Atanvanebhyaha, to stretch. So, the you know, you have to stretch the bow to fit in the arrow. And then Pratidadhanebhyaha means the people who are setting the arrow inside the bow having stretched it when when they see you coming <laughs> that we have to add yeah not just in their spare time they are practicing archery at some target practice no 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 in, instead of that what is that called that red dot with a bullseye instead of the bullseye it is you huh. <laughs> Ah, you are standing there and as soon as they see you, they are, you know, stretching the bow, nicely oiling it and whatever needs to be done and they are setting the arrow as well when they see you. And what to do to such people, you know? Namo Namaha. <laughs> yeah. No, that means I have to continue standing there being the bullseye. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> Move out of the way, slowly, gently, distract them, you know, throw one ball or throw some other, you know, something else, you know, throw them off a little bit and then slowly back out. Ah, that's all it is. These are difficult and, you know, like when one is confronted with a quintessential terrorist, what are you going to do? You, that is not the time to give a bhashan, you know, a speech on freedom of religion. No! <laughs> Yeah, you cannot say, make that into an interfaith conference. Yeah, you know, I, I know that we should have talked about this a long time ago. And actually there are many, you know, there are many traditions in the world. And let us all coexist happily ever after. Yeah, that is what Hindu dharma says. One won't even be alive to say that, that much. Yeah. Well, this is not the time to make it into some kind of a interfaith, you know moment. It can't be. You know. And in fact a group of Swamis tried it. Pujya Swamiji went to, you know, Palestine along with a group of Swamis from different traditions. And, you know, 
and then the swami is opened with a prayer and then afterwards you know they started the discussion and one of the swamis is no longer in the body uh, very uh, erudite person from the uh, you know uh, he was a mahamandaleshwar and uh, swami vedabharati wonderful person and uh, that swami ji started to say in the hindu tradition we have something called ahimsa and because of this ahimsa gandhi ji won the freedom for the whole country it became an inspiration for struggles everywhere in south africa and also in the united states and he was not even allowed to continue he only got this far and the leader of the group stood up and said can we talk about something else because we can't talk about uh, non violence because we don't believe in non violence finished you know and uh, and the person became very 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 angry right there and this is not and you, you know there is no when somebody is that enraged there is no time for dialogue you can't have dialogue and so that's why i'm i'm telling you to not take this bow and arrow literally because it can come the you know it can come in in the form of anger it can come in the form of targeting somebody so at that time you have to mollify them you have to see the best in them and you have to have you know you have to command that compassion you know it's like that uh, one film was there about some nun who was uh what was that some uh, man walking dead man ah dead man walking something like that so very beautiful yeah it was about some man or you know he had done some horrible crimes you know killed some children and all these things and she worked with him you know because he was not he was very unrepentant but because of uh, you know this uh, uh, sister she worked with him to come to a place of repentance and to come to a place of uh, acceptance of what he had done and to see the how he had deprived the parents of the children and you know things like that and it was very you know uh, she was very evolved in the way they showed this and uh, she was able to get past that impasse and the impasse usually comes from us because there is so much unforgiveness and judgment in our own hearts we are not i mean who are we to forgive to begin with but still there is no there is a non understanding in our own hearts and so we are not able to go past that but you know that's not this is not the time for heroics it's the time to just mollify and not you know aggravate the situation back off really that's what it is but at the same time you know see this as a manifestation of bhagavan because there is no other way to look at it manifestation of bhagavan all these people with the bows and the arrows and the people that are <coughs> setting out uh, you know setting the bows inside the arrows and then there are some other people आयच्छद्य विसर्जद्य विसर्जद्य वो नम सो आयच्छद्य मीन्स दि 
again same thing the one who has now they have set the arrow and uh, you know they have uh, they are ready to discharge the arrow and then the one that you know that is 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 releasing the arrow to them also namaha and you know the easiest way to look at all these entities as bhagavan is to look at them as you know nimitta for one's own karma phala and prarabdha to get exhausted in other words ah that's how because if supposing somebody is coming at you and the normal reaction human reaction is to get upset angry defensive all these things but then you say okay this must be some karma there in the form of this person and the karma comes from who who is the karma phala data bhagavan ishvara so this is come from this is uh, even if you cannot look upon them as ishvara just say this is a gift wrapped present from <laughs> ishvara <laughs> they have been specially sent to clean up some of my karma yes sometimes it you know it throws one off but immediately even in the moment if you cannot think this and understand this immediately after the event you know you can look at it this way why did this happen it happened because it had to happen no other way no other reason no but why didn't it why did it happen it happened because it had to happen no but if i had done this it could have you know dodged it did it did you dodge it no okay that means it happened <laughs> no but had i done these so how are we going to you know get into that hypothetical situation you can either say next time i am going to do this or you can say this is what had to happen but most of the time we say we spend our time in what if what if i had done this differently what if i had done that and this is a very sad way to spend the life because one is fully inside regret ayo why did it is why 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 you know and uh, upanishad recognizes this kimaham sadhu na karavam kimaham papam karavam iti why did i do the wrong thing <laughs> why didn't i do the right thing yeah this is the lament of the person who is you know in resistance resistance means held by the strings or the shackles of ragadvesha the one who cannot handle the ragadveshas is handled by the ragadveshas this is the problem and so that person becomes a sitting duck for all kinds of these you know problems and because of these problems one is unable to greet things in one's life with equanimity so all these people who are holding the bows holding the arrows directing it at at one you know all these things you know there is a uh, there is a this is an uh, time for getting some Uh, maturity so namaha asyadbhya vidyadbhyascha vaha namaha so double namaha first namaha and then vaha namaha to so to all of you who who are all of the, these people asyadbhya means people that throw things ah <laughs> yeah they throw things at you starting with insults ah 
Yeah, so you know, Namaha. There's a story even of one Zen master who was very temperamental Zen guru and uh, Zen guru went on top of a mountain and sat and did not want students. It was very highly evolved apparently. And then he was, <laughs> and uh, so the people were desperate to come and touch a piece of his robe, you know, just like they would do for Jesus, and just touch a piece of, touch his feet, something they wanted to just touch him because they thought that he's so enlightened that if I just get his little bit of grace, I will also get this knowledge. And many people went, and then, you know, they, they could, they, they were just hampered in their quest. Uh, because, you know, he had a habit because that he was on a rocky mountain and he had a habit of picking up the boulder and throwing it on the prospective student. <laughs> and so people were afraid when they saw the, him holding the boulder, that was enough to make them come back and, you know, say, okay, this is not the time for Zen Vidya, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but one young fellow was very undeterred apparently and then he, he thought he scaled up the mountain from the back because if you go from the front there is no chance because the boulder is going to make you into chutney and so therefore he just said, I'll go from the back and catch hold of the teacher's legs from the back and then, you know, perhaps he will accept me as the disciple. And so he went from the back, even though it was difficult to scale, he was filled with cuts, scratches, all kinds of, you know, problems. And, you know, and then he reached up the mountain and then, you know, the, 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 the guru was looking this way, Abhimukha this way. And then this fellow came from the back, sneaked up to the legs and touched the legs. And as soon as he caught hold of the legs, you know, the guru turned around and put the boulder <laughs> <laughs> on him. You know, and then of course he removed the boulder and got him out and he was still catching on to the legs. But they say the story is such that the grace was such that he, you know, he was enlightened just by merely holding that. So, so people throwing things may not be a bad thing here like in this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that is the thing. So, asyadbhya means people who have, have the habit of throwing things, yeah. So, throwing has to be taken metaphorically, throwing blame, throwing insults, ah, throwing the responsibility, throwing all accountability on you. Oh, that didn't happen, it's all your fault. What do you mean it's my fault? It is your fault. How can it be my fault? I wasn't even there. See, you were not there, it's your fault. <laughs> And such people can get out of every situation, you know. It's almost like a, what is it called, NPD, Narcissistic Personality. Yeah. And so, so it's kind, some shade of a Narcissistic Personality where, you know, uh, it's a disorder whereby the person is so insecure that they cannot take, they cannot differentiate between taking responsibility for your actions, which is a, you know, sign of maturity and feeling blamed. They, they, they think, and a lot of people, you know, think that the two are one and the same. And so such people spend a lot of time defending themselves and accusing everyone else. Oh. 
very hard to live with such people actually and uh, i was present in the room when somebody came to pujya swami ji and said you know this uh, young woman came and said you know i'm in love with this man and he's very narcissistic and so swami ji said what do you mean by that he wanted to make sure she knew that she was using the term correctly and guess she was is always blaming me always accusing always doing this what can i do to make this relationship work so swami ji said you can love him from a distance <laughs> that's the only way <laughs> you can't there's a it's a no win situation it's a no win situation no but why can't you send them for therapy because they will not go why will they not go because they don't think anything is wrong with them yeah because you are the one that's wrong remember yeah so therapy would help but they'll not go so therefore you know love them from a distance this is what it was and uh, and and bhagavanize them means to see that there cannot be anyone else other than the one throwing things at others there cannot be anyone else what do you mean they could have used their choices they could have pulled themselves up did they no okay end of argument no but they can now are they no okay end of argument no but they can in the future let's wait and see <laughs> if they do we will talk very difficult you know to have a narcissistic personality you know as mother or father or you know some you know caregiver very difficult to grow up like that but um, you know uh, this is what the whole thing is so asyadbhya means the people who keep throwing things at you unprovoked and uh, it could be what insults it could be blame it could be defensive mechanisms all kinds of things they throw and i have to not feel victimized how not to feel victimized see them as bhagavan bah namaha you address them directly i can it's a no win situation namaha unto you in other words i accept my karma phala of you know having you in my life you know why can't you walk away you can but supposing if you can't walk away if you are not in the situation of being able to walk away you can say i accept this fully that is what the whole thing is and therefore the you know it's very 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 powerful because these are kinds of situations which are there in everyone's life everyone's karma has at least one person in it who is keeping on blaming yeah so this we have to we have to uh, resolve inside of ourselves because that blaming person is not going to stop blaming then so asyadhya and you know where is that asyadhya vidyadhyascha vidyadhyascha means you know vidyati the, the people prick peers you know they they pierce the heart 
they pierce the body with swords etc they pierce the heart and they they hurt in so many ways so the hurtful people who throw things and pierce as well as though the throwing was not enough there are two kinds of hurting people first they first kind just keep on throwing insults and accuse and, and boulders etc like we saw and the other kind are they they pierce the first kind are throwing insults directly at least you know where you stand because they are you know offensive and the second kind the piercing kind are like you know you can take it from ants onwards things that you know bite you when they are not looking and it also includes certain kinds of people who do the same they bite when you are not looking yeah indirect warfare <laughs> yeah what is it called there is a new term for it micro aggression <laughs> yeah this is what it called it's called micro aggression so it's a psychological term look it up it's wonderful microaggression meaning that they don't have the you know they don't have the guts to come right in front of you and say you know i have some problems let us have it out today no so they will be smiling because they already feel victimized for whatever reason and then when one is not looking suddenly there is a piercing feeling and a feeling of whatever you know um, indirect attack so this uh, you know vidyanti is they peers they peers when one is not looking perhaps when one is not expecting it and so unto all of you you cannot even say them because them is a form of otherizing because they out there i versus them me versus them but if i address them as you it is the fear comes down because i am facing you you know i cannot turn my back and say hello all of you i can't say that so i if i say hello i you i'm facing you so when you face the things that are afraid that you are afraid of then the fear goes away so vah namaha vishmabhyam namaha and then then there are two other kinds namaha asinebhya and shayane bhyascha vah namaha then these you know these these uh, categories uh, comes these categories come like what uh, two other categories there are two two things are taken up in each line asine bhya meaning the sitting fellows ha ah. beware of sitting fellows <laughs> kursi wale this is what we were talking about yesterday ha ah. rulers they are frightening you know even if you have elected them in office they are still frightening because our fate hangs in balance with whatever their actions they may do their omissions and commissions affect us that's why they are frightening you know if you vote for them you know maybe they are not frightening maybe if you, but if you didn't vote for them they are frightening sometimes even after voting for them they are frightening <laughs> what to do <laughs> even in the democracy one is still afraid of the kursi wala you know sitting or wali <laughs> sitting in the chair of power this is a seat of power because you see even in the ancient times the people sitting and the people standing there is a status difference in all countries 
those who are sitting have more what's its name power they occupy the chair and they look at you who is standing <laughs> this is uh, you know this is frightening this is a powerful position and the person occupying a position of power even in uh, europe if you should go to italy and places like that then there is there is a cafe you go to the cafe and uh, if you visited you know what i'm talking about so most people if you go buy something at the cafe most people are standing and drinking yeah and all the chairs are empty and i thought what is this <laughs> so many chairs only the pigeons are sitting there no one else is sitting there but if you go and sit down they charge you 10 times more think about this <laughs> ah what will cost 1 euro to stand and drink that same same drink cappuccino you sit down and drink it will be 10 times as much sitting costs money yeah <laughs> it's a it's a position of power <laughs> ah ah see i told you what it is and and they will invite you to sit they will invite very nicely they'll say come come sit sit aa jao baith jao and if you make the mistake of sitting that me <laughs> that means you know the the, the your holiday is cut short ha <laughs> huh. euro becomes zero that's what happens <laughs> this is what happens you know this all this is all see and and how did they think of this because sitting means leisure there is some kind of a leisure there is more time you have more time to spare you are not the you know accidental tourist who is going you know from one place to another and who has leisure people with money have leisure ah huh? there is a correlation so the sitting people are to be feared <laughs> here asinebhya oh namaha oh namaha yeah so it is not just uh, you know it is not just uh, you know people in power it can also be people who have a lot of money power in terms of class power prestige status economic power these are all frightening things and we have to ishwarize all the things we have to ishwarize the king and we have to ishwarize the rulers that's why in every nitya karma every daily prayer raja dharmiko vijayi bhavatu may the king be dharmic this is what our prayer should be may he or she any leader king here means leader may any of the leaders elected nominated doesn't matter you know or the one who has usurped power doesn't matter how they have come into power may the person in power be dharmic what a wonderful prayer this is what we have to pray every day and then even if you didn't vote for them you have a sense of accomplishment here doesn't matter if i didn't vote for them so what they'll become dharmic that's that's the thing vijayi bhavatu means vijaya here is not just success vijaya means a certain kind of a, what's that um, a a success based on 
employing deploying the right means and the right uh, methods for gaining the accomplishments this you can say every day raja dharmiko vijayi bhavatu raja dharmiko vijayi bhavatu राजा धार्मिको विजयी भवतु राजा धार्मिको विजयी भवतु सो फैंटेस्टिक प्रेयर इट गिव्स सो मच पावर यू नो इट्स लाइक द इट्स इट्स लाइक द यू नो पावर टू वोट दिस इज अ पावर ऑफ इट्स वेरी ट्रांसफॉर्मेटिव प्रेयर यू कैन से दिस एवरी डे नो मैटर वेर यू आर even if you visit another country दैट्स हैविंग एन ओप्रेसिव रूलर यू कैन प्रे दैट ऑल्सो देयर ऑल्सो यू कैन प्रे द सेम थिंग very nice it is very beautiful so asine bhya people in power people with riches people with time to spare because they are also dangerous if they have a lot of time on their hands they will be plotting your destruction because you happen to be there <laughs> so all these things vaha namaha so all the, to all the sitting people who make me into a sitting duck namaha and then who else shayane bhyascha namaha sleeping things meaning things that are lying down like a snake yeah i went to australia once and then you know just walking it was very nice fall season everything was red red leaves were red sunset was red and the floor was full of you know orange and red shades and suddenly the orange and red leaves started to move from left to right <laughs> in a line it was a python that had changed the color to be part of the ecology very nicely some kind of a snake and uh, you know long one you know it was like sta- uh, standing in front of a railway crossing waiting for the train to go like that it kept on going and kept, it didn't look thankfully it didn't look to the left or to the right it didn't find me very interesting and <laughs> it slowly went and then it climbed up the tree which was not neither red nor uh, maroon or none of the falling uh, fallen leaf colors it was brown it was amazing to see bhagwan in this form so when it was on the road it was the uh, on the path it was the color of the clay and the color of the fallen leaves then it climbed and wound itself on the brown tree branch and became that brown color you could see it it just looked like an extension yeah so sleeping things scorpion and what crocodile yeah crocodile especially that also here in uh, charleston i had a nice uh, encounter <laughs> with a crocodile i was at a meeting i was at a conference and there they said you know uh, please on the second day they told us you know please we were in some kind of a resort not a resort a meeting place and in this meeting place we were in the uh, you know we were in the uh, a kind of a island and in this island there were all kinds of uh, people um, you know and these people and these houses meeting places and then they were surrounded by little moats of water that's the problem you know in the south wherever yatra yatra water tatra tatra 
crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Everywhere it's like that. And so then, you know, second day they told us, please don't walk here. First day there was no such sign. And first day itself I went for a walk, where the second day they told us not to walk. I had already gone for a walk. And then, they, you know, there was... They, I was walking in between two ponds. There was a small path, very beautifully crafted path, and I was just walking. And I had seen this fellow, you know, sleeping. And <laughs> sleeping he was, and half awake. And he looked so lazy, it was a sunny day, and he just looked like he was having a good sunbath. And he had no interest in me or in anything. But then he had a plan. And his plan, simply, poor thing, was to, he thought that there is a, this, this pond is better for him than that pond. And in order to go from this pond to that pond, he had to cross. Correct? Ah, and he crossed right. I was standing right there. And I never thought the crocodile could ever be so fast. It was so quick. And you know, his head was tiny. I thought it's a baby. But he wasn't a baby because he was half submerged and under the water things look smaller. And when he came out, yeah, six footer. Nicely he just and Very quickly he went. And uh, you know, so beware of <laughs> sleeping things. He just wanted to get to the other side because uh, I saw him there. He had some uh, prey there. He was wanting something. I was not the prey, thankfully. Yeah, I was prayerful, but I was <laughs> I was not the prey, and he just went. So Shayane Bhyaschev of all these kinds of sleeping things, Namaha Vaha Namaha Namaha unto you. And also this is metaphorical because sleeping things means karmas that are yet to be manifest. Unmanifest karmas that are going to be manifest. Namaha. Asine bhyascha namaha. Shayane bhyascha vaha namaha. Lying down things and then now lying down but awake things and this is what? Sleeping things. Namaha Swapadhyaha Jagradhyascha Vaha Namaha. Same thing, you know, sleeping things, karmas and other things, you know, animals and other, uh, uh, what is that? Let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> uh, that is the idea. Let them be. Let them sleep. And also in, in Hindu dharma, it is papa karma to awaken a sleeping uh, being. That's why. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's why whenever anyone sleeps in Vedanta class, I never wake them up. <laughs> you have seen? Ah. I let them sleep because they have got good karma of nice sleep. Let them sleep. There is always another visit. There is always another class. 
and you know, I'm trying to be positive. That's why I didn't say that. Ah, then <laughs> so this is what it is. You know, sleep. Sleep is a you know is a vulnerable thing because one is very vulnerable in sleep. And if you wake up the sleeping, uh, uh, you know, animal especially, it gets uh, yeah, it gets scared. And when the animal gets scared, it gets on the attack mode. That's why. Let them be. Some people are also like that, and <laughs> especially teenagers. Yeah, you know, can't wake up sleeping teenagers, <laughs> young young adults. So you know, this this also gives us a tells us to be very kind to all the wildlife. Tells us to be just you know respect their spaces because if we don't respect their spaces, you can't expect them to respect ours. We have to respect their spaces, and in fact, they don't violate the laws of nature. Only the human being violates the laws of nature. Animals are fine. The crocodile simply wanted to cross. It was not interested in attacking me. It was least interested in me. It saw something there, and it wanted to cross and go there because it saw some bird or some fish or something. It wanted. That's all it was. And if you leave them alone, they will leave you alone. And also, the other thing is, when we have fear, you know, we we let off apparently some kind of a scent that they are, you know, they can sense, either body language or some kind of a psychic, uh, whatever, you know, uh, demeanor that they are able to pick up the body language. They are able to also sometimes pick up the smell. And when they smell fear, and when they sense fear, they get into the attack. And that's why the abhaya, you know, we practice giving abhaya, abhaya dana. Abhaya dana means I allow you to just not be afraid of me. And this is the practice of abhaya dana here towards the close of it. More we will see tomorrow. But tomorrow it's not eight thirty. If you come at eight thirty, you know, yes, class will be over because it's just a one-hour class from seven thirty to eight thirty. Eight thirty sharp, it will be done because some people are working, I believe, and so it is early. But wake up and come, nothing will happen one day. Yeah. <laughs> Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadag Purnamevavashishyate Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om There is one question here. Uh, can you please clarify this for a minute? Yeah. Commentary I read. Apart from being a hymn devoted to Lord Shiva, Rudram also contains many hidden secrets in coded format. For example, the verses contain coded instructions for preparing various Ayurvedic medicines. So, apart from the literal meaning in Sri Rudram, there is that hidden meaning. Um, you know, you are right. It's not that there is a hidden meaning in the. Uh, uh, I'm not aware that there is a hidden meaning in the verses themselves. But the verses have invocations for healing from various diseases. 
and some of them may be ayurvedic as well or not ayurvedic pre ayurvedic because this is this is vedic yeah so yeah because you see for example that's why this book is such a boon one should not get caught up in the uh, what's its name in the in the mantras and all these things uh, but each anuvaka is ruled by a devata is ruled by a mantra sometimes is ruled by a by a disease and then the parihara for the the parihara means remedy for the disease is also given you know uh, like this one very interesting uh, prayer is here bhasmodhulita sarvangam jata mandalamanditam dhyayet devam vrisharudham ganeshwarayutam haram this is a prayer to be chanted before chanting anuvaka 4 we are on anuvaka 3 next one yeah so this is to be chanted and then chanting this and then the benefits of chanting this swami ji says here that the result of chanting this mantra followed by the anuvaka is 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 to remove all kinds of dreaded diseases pandemics uh, epidemics you know all horrible horrifying diseases it it removes and some other uh, mantras the invocatory mantras for the various anuvakas have certain herbs mentioned so many things are mentioned so it could also be that there is some secret code i am not aware of it but uh, the, the 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 code here because this does in addition to uh, making one agnyani and uh, and also purifying by purifying the heart the rudram also removes diseases all kinds of diseases you chant it every day 11 times you know it really 11 days 11 times you chant it's amazing and 11 days 11 times you chant while doing uh, 11 dravya abhisheka even more amazing yeah we have done that in the ashram so many people came and said they are having some problems we did that two times we did yeah so you can do that it's really amazing it takes about uh, what 3 hours yeah in the morning you do that every day 11 days for 3 hours and then in addition if you also fast and eat only once a day all those 11 days even better yeah 